Hey folks, Brendan here from Blue Light and welcome back to another Blue Light podcast or if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook to another video. Uh, So these podcasts and videos are designed to help support you through the police recruitment process and also throughout your career to enable you to have this most successful and amazing fulfilling career in the best job in the world, that of being a police officer. So in today's podcast, I'm going to take a look at the brand new Stage 3 Online Assessment Centre briefing. So if you want to join the police in any of the Home Office Forces or the Civil Nuclear Constabulary in England and Wales, you've got to do the Home Office um, Online Assessment Centre. It's been around for about 18 months now, ever since COVID came along and we had to do something that wasn't a coronavirus carousel uh, like the old assessment centres used to be. Um, But it's not changed. It's not changed at all. However, it has just recently changed. Uh, The interview questions remain the same as far as I'm aware, but they've changed to stage three. The stage three briefing in particular, and that's what this podcast and video is all about. To introduce you to seven things that you need to do to make sure you, you ace, completely ace the stage three briefing. Now, for the past 18 months, I've coached and supported through webinars and one-to-ones, so many of you, thousands of you, through the Online Police Assessment Centre, because it is so formulaic. All you need to do is you need to know what to say. And I know some of you might be thinking, that's dreadful. How can you get into the police by such a formulaic approach? Well, I didn't create it. You know, if the College of Policing are going to create something that's so easily gameplayed, so easy to gameplay that I guarantee that my 13-year-old daughter could pass it, then they're going to have to expect people to play the game back. And so that's what we're doing. Um, they've also said in their guidance that you don't require any knowledge of policing um, or any policing powers to be able to pass the police assessment centre. That's one of the biggest fibs out there. It's a huge lie because thousands of my clients have come back to say that is absolute nonsense because they're putting you in a position of being a police officer and they're asking you questions where you need to know how the police would deal with certain scenarios. Now, the last stage three briefing was about violent criminals, drug dealing, It was about homelessness and vulnerability. I mean, that's something I dealt with as a lead whilst I was a neighbourhood inspector. And I didn't get it right to start with. It took a while to work out how we're going to deal with the organised criminality and support at the same time those people who were the users of the drugs that they were supplying, especially people who were vulnerable and homeless. So now they've changed it from something that involves a huge amount of partnership work, knowledge of how community safety partnerships work, Um, they've changed it to something that's in the here and now. Now, how do I know this? Well, I've got lots of ethical sources. I do positive action work for several forces uh, on and off. It's not something I do all the time because I prefer to work with individuals. But when I'm asked to do it by a police force, I will do it. I will support their positive action teams to ensure people from a variety of different backgrounds have a better chance of success. And that's what I also offer to my clients, which is why so many of them come away from the online assessment centre scoring 90-something percent in their stage three. How do they do that? They just become a clone of me. This kind of stuff plays directly to my previous experience 
Um, I was recognised as an expert in terms of tools and powers around antisocial behaviour, community engagement, problem solving, tackling organised criminality. Uh, whilst I was in Greater Manchester Police, my last year I spent in the Strategic Change Branch focusing on these issues. And then from there I've done work with the European Union and forces. Um, I geek out on this kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's almost like they designed it so Brendan can coach you, support you to ensure and guarantee that you pass. And I know some of you might be thinking, it can't be that formulaic, can it? Yeah, it is. It is that formulaic. I'm sad to say, I say that genuinely, it should be far harder for you to get in. You should be having to really demonstrate your values in ways that are authentic and emotional in a structured and detailed way. But no, you just play these silly games to get through online. You can join some police forces without talking to a real person. Yes, you can. West Midlands Police, Avon and Somerset Police, there's a few more. You can join the police by just doing the online assessment centre. You don't have to speak to a real person. Apart from the medical and your bleep test, you don't speak to a real person until your first day in the police. I know, bizarre. But whilst we're out there here in this bizarre world, I might as well support you and help you to achieve within it. So pin your ears back, folks. I'm going to talk to you about seven things that you need to do to pass the stage three briefing. Now, what happens in the stage three briefing? Well, you're given a scenario, and this scenario now is going to be about a noisy house party that's getting out of control. A bunch of young people there, I don't know what ages they are, but let's give them an age of 14 to 16 years old, intent on causing mayhem, noise, harassment, alarm or distress to one or more people not of the same household. There you go, there's a definition of antisocial behaviour for you. Um, and they are going to oh by the way antisocial behaviour is an offence on its own so let's be careful about arresting people for antisocial behaviour because it's not an offence um, but it does allow certain tools and powers to kick in more about that in a moment so um, this scenario I expect will develop you've got a total of 12 questions about the scenario you've got 3 minutes to answer each one of those questions so that's a briefing of 36 minutes in all that's an enormous amount of talking I, mean, I coach and support people who are going for a promotion within the police service. Uh, last week, I was coaching someone who is going from chief inspector to superintendent. He's actually had his board now. He had to do a 15-minute presentation, 15 minutes to get from chief inspector to superintendent. You want to just join the police as a constable, and you've got to do a briefing of 36 minutes. Bonkers. <laughs> but it is what it is. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The golden rule is what counts. Those who hold the gold make the rules. And the College of Policing hold the gold. So they make the rules. We're just going to play by them. So totally uh, capable of being gamed, this process. If you're watching, uh, listening to this on podcast, you won't be able to see this. But it's just an example of some of my notes I've made about this uh, noisy party issue. Um, we've also got the uh, values and competencies that you're going to get assessed against. And so I've been uh, really careful to pull out the key behaviours here to make sure that my clients especially are utilising a process for every stage of this noisy party scenario that enables them to demonstrate all of those behaviours so they can't fail. This is how we pass. We don't pass and score 90-something percent in the stage three by simply rattling off phrases from the competency and values framework. That's not going to do it for you. What is going to do it for you is having a systematic approach 
which links in with what works, which links in with my huge amount of knowledge and experience about how to deal with these sort of issues. And the behaviours just fall out the sky. You're just going to score highly because you're talking about how you would deal with things in a way that incorporates all of those behaviours. hope that makes sense. Anyway, pin your ears back. Seven things here that I'd like you to consider and do in order to start passing the online assessment centre stage three. Now, this is just a foundation. For my clients, I'm already pumping a load of videos into their client-only group, and eventually they're going to go on the online course as being the material that they use. I've, I've already started creating a case study and the questions, sample questions, some sort of questions that you'd get asked uh, in order for you to start being able to practice so that when you actually come across the exercise on the day, it's a walk in the park. As so many of my clients have said in the past, they just pretend to be Brendan and they pass it. They've been getting like 90 something percent in their stage three just by pretending to be me. Easy. So anyway, let's take a look at the first part. Um, the first part to bear in mind is utilising the national decision model. Look it up. It's available online. There's no state secrets about it. Uh, it's a process for making decisions uh, to make sure that you don't just jump in at action stage that you carefully consider every one of the stages. And I'm going to introduce you to some of those stages now. And the very first one is thinking about information and intelligence. So perhaps a member of the public comes to tell you about this noisy party. We're not going to just fob them off and say, I'm sorry, this is the work of the, uh, the, the, the realm of environmental services. You need to call them on a Monday morning. Uh, and if it's persistent noise, they'll investigate it in terms of statutory noise nuisance which has to be something that's consistent, persistent, causes people to lose their quality of life between 11pm and 7am in the morning. Hey, there's, there's, I could talk to you forever about this sort of thing, but you don't need to know that level of knowledge. Noisy parties aren't really the realm of police officers. Uh, if you try calling in the noisy party, you're going to get fobbed off by the control room because they're not even going to log it. They're just going to tell you to call the council on Monday morning. So... Um, they're giving you something which you ordinarily wouldn't get involved in. But because this is college of policing world and you need to demonstrate all sorts of behaviours, you are. You're going to deal with it and you're going to get involved and you're going to do a huge amount of background searches to find out who owns a house or is it rented, who lives there. PNC checks, voters checks, uh, visor checks in terms of uh, sex offenders and violent offenders, uh, checks on housing association records, social services, a whole range of um, tools that you have to collect information and intelligence about that address and its occupants. So that's the first stage of the NDM before you do anything else. That's the first stage of any problem solving is collecting information and intelligence about the actual problem itself. So from there, we need to assess the threat, harm and risk. And we need to start thinking about a vision. So if you look behind me, I've got these things written out. Oh, and by the way, uh, I've got NDM and C of E there. It's not Church of England, it's Code of Ethics. So we link that into the competency and values framework and start thinking about um, how we would uh, communicate with people, what sort of level we'd use to communicate with people, especially of different backgrounds. There's a whole range of things there to consider. But linking it in with the CVF that you're being assessed against pretty much covers off a lot of the uh, Code of Ethics. So you probably want to mention Code of Ethics at some point during your assessment. So moving on to the next part, like I said, threat, harm and risk and having a vision for the future. This links in with um, uh, assessing the risk and having 
uh, what the color, uh, what the College of Policing and the police chiefs call ha- having a working strategy. No one talks like that. What they mean when they say working strategy in the NDM is what you're hoping to achieve, your vision for the future, um, what's normality going to look like, and, and then you can start thinking about the options you can create to get there. Now, before you can create any options, you need to know your tools and powers. And this is where you do need to have some knowledge of policing. I don't care what the College of Policing says. If they're putting you in this scenario, you need to know about things like dispersal powers, PPOs, uh, Section 50 of the Police Reform Act, a whole range of tools and powers that enable you to take action. Because you can't just walk up to someone and say, give me your name and address. Because if they say, no, F off, you need to have something in your back pocket to require them to provide their name and address. Or, in terms of dispersal powers, for example, you need to have um, knowledge of the legislation so you know exactly what you can and can't do because so many police officers have fallen foul of dispersal powers. Greater Manchester Police, my old force, paid out a fortune in response to the um, the inappropriate use of dispersal powers at football matches. They paid an absolute fortune to people. You've got to know your tools and powers. Now, these tools and powers don't create... A f- uh, they only create offences when there's non-compliance. I'm going to give you an example here. There's a, a huge list here, huge list of uh, tools and powers that I've come up with. Um because it's my old, it's stuff I geek out on, it's stuff I've lectured on, it's stuff I've worked with the um, strategic change match at Grace Match the Police on uh, before I left, uh, a whole range of other organisations, council and police forces. This is my thing, this is my thing. So um, I'll give you an example, uh, Section 50 of the Police Reform Act 2002, awesome piece of legislation. Most people will give you their name and address because you might want to refer them to other agencies, you might want to follow up what you're doing in terms of acceptable behaviour contracts, warning letters, or also getting people involved in more meaningful activities that don't involve getting bladdered at a party on Friday night, destroying their livers and potentially causing harm to the community. So... um, the, the the threat, harm and risk part um, only comes in when later on, I think, because initially a noisy party, like I said, you're not really going to be doing much with it. But as things develop, you might be wanting to think about the harm that could come to young people. Not just that, though, but the levels of harm that can come to the community, not just in terms of violence or physical injury, but harm in terms of things like public disorder, uh, police legitimacy, harm to community cohesion. Uh, damage to property so it's more than just violence or physical injury does that make sense anyway that's only when the scenario develops but if the scenario does develop you need to know what to do Uh, section 50 is when people aren't compliant and they're not going to give you their name and address if you are in uniform and you're a constable and you reasonably reasonably believe that they are committing antisocial behaviour or have committed antisocial behaviour, it doesn't say in public or private, then you can require them to provide their name and address. Antisocial behaviour is uh, defined as uh, causing harassment, alarm or distress to one or more persons not the same household. So that's the legislation that we're using. If you've got members of the public who are complaining about the noise nuisance, then you've got that harassment, alarm or distress. And if they have engaged in that as they're leaving the property, you can require their name and address. You can also, once you've got that, use your dispersal powers. You can't require their date of birth, and dispersal powers don't give you the power to 
require their name and address. But you couple the two up and it provides you with a, an incredibly useful tool. There's all sorts of things you can do with dispersal powers as well that are just completely awesome that are going to help you prevent harm coming to those young people in the future. That's what we're after. Uh, our intention is not to enforce our way out of this. Our intention is to keep the peace. We don't want young people being summoned or arrested until it's an absolute last resort. We want to prevent harm in the future. That's our aim. Okay, that's our aim. Um, and so, uh, I could talk about this forever, but I've got to keep this short. I've got to keep this podcast down to about 20 minutes. Or oh, it might be a little bit more. So, uh, keep it down to 25 minutes. Uh, so, what else? Options and what-ifs. So, this is where you'd be talking about the options you'd consider uh, depending on what happens next. So you'd be thinking about what would happen if the party got completely out of control, if there was violence there, or if someone got seriously hurt in a fight. You'd have to start thinking about how you're going to deal with that. Equally, how you're going to deal with... Uh, you you ask the, the people who are in the house to close the party down, and suddenly there's 20 or 30 young people completely bladdered out of their brains half 11 at night, how are you going to deal with that? So you need to start thinking ahead in terms of the actions that you might have to take depending on what if. This is all the what ifs. I hope you're still with me so far. Hopefully this is helpful. Um, so then if you are going to take any action, uh, one of the things I like to always consider is something called TPAC. You won't find this anywhere else except in Brendan's world. Uh, what this stands for is that if you're going to do any enforcement, that's the E of TPAC, you need to do some trust building as well, both with the people you're doing the enforcement with and the people who are the victims. You need to do to, some preventative work to make sure that whatever it is that you're enforcing and the reasons why you're enforcing it doesn't happen again. The A is for advocacy. What are you going to be? What are you going to do to be an advocate for that community to help it become a more cohesive, uh, joined up and connected community? And the C stands for communication. So how are you going to communicate your message of what you're doing and how are you going to communicate with all the people involved? This is where we use things like CUTSA, non-contact conflict management model. It's where we use the F word process. The F word is something we encourage the use of. More about that if you're one of my clients. Jump over onto the videos that I've been preparing for this on the Facebook group for my clients. They'll all be going on the course as updated course material very soon. But we need to communicate in certain ways and you'll be able to describe that in huge detail, even down to things like how you're going to TED Pi your 5WH open questions in a simple, complex and sequential way. Wow! <laughs> Um, I might even start talking about motivational interviewing techniques, um, which are just awesome to help settle angry people down. So on top of all of this, another thing you're going to need to consider is hot debriefs, because another part of the national decision model is monitoring and assessing your actions to make sure they're actually fulfilling their aim. That's the model. That's, you're going to spin the NDM. That's all we're going to do is spin the NDM. But you do need to know all the different constituent parts of the NDM in terms of how you're going to spin it. As if you're in the police, you already know that phrase. Just spin the NDM and you'll be absolutely fine. So something here about record keeping, but also one of the things I'd be encouraging you to do is hot debriefs. And that's where you just gather everyone involved around and it's a hot debrief because you're actually still in the, in the thick of things. You're just doing a quick sort of, right, how's it going at the moment? Uh, what's going to plan? What isn't going to plan? What do we need to do to make things go to plan better? 
What ideas does everyone have? Any any big, big problems that we need to start focusing on? And you're keeping things on track so that you can achieve your aim of normality as fast as possible. So hopefully that all of this makes sense, folks. Does it? Let me know. Put something in the comments and let me know. This is just a foundation for you in terms of making sure that you ace the section, uh, so sorry, stage three of the online assessment centre. You might just be able to pass it with the guidance I've just given you now. Actually, you're going to have far more information uh, based on watching this or listening to this than you would 20 minutes ago. I absolutely guarantee you of that. But if you really seriously want to get an awesome mark, guaranteed 90-something percent, become a clone of me, then there's links below to my online courses, especially the webinars. I've already done a live webinar with an audience uh, of clients where we've worked through one of these sort of antisocial behavior noisy party problems and developed it to the point where things were back to normal. But then there's all sorts of follow-up things to do in terms of the community and also the perpetrators of the antisocial behaviour. So much to talk about that you can absolutely ram full those 36 minutes with point-scoring stuff. That's what we do in the blue light world. Challenge to the police is make this process tougher because at the moment it doesn't test your values, it doesn't test anything about who you are, it just tests your ability to be able to clone me, clone others who might be police officers. Um, and it's all online. There's no face-to-face contact yet. Some forces do face-to-face contact interviews either before or after the online assessment centre, but there's some out there, West Midlands Police, Avon and Somerset, and a few more, where you can join the police without talking to a real human. How bonkers is that? <laughs> we'll look back on this and think, that was insane. I'm not surprised that there's loads of badans that have joined the police that are being dismissed because of their values or lack of them. Being able to join the police without talking to a human. Come on, College of Policing, get a grip of this. Get a grip. I know some of you might say, oh, yeah, but you do speak to people because you speak to people in your medical or on your bleep test. Yeah, but they just want to see whether you can run up and down a strip of strip of gym uh, and reach 5.4 on the bleep test or answer questions about your medical history they're not interested in your values they're not interested in assessing who you are to make sure you're the right sort of person to be a police officer so think about this the first day that you talk to anyone about policing is your first day in the job the first day anyone will ask you a question like why do you want to be a police officer it's probably in your first week in the job you're already in it's too late college of policing get a grip police forces get a grip am i the only person that seems that sees that this is the most insane assessment process out there all right i'll stop now i'll get off that soapbox so i hope you've enjoyed this i hope you got something out of it if you're watching this on youtube subscribe away like it add some comments i do reply to those comments um if you're watching this on facebook same again like it I don't think you subscribe on Facebook, do you? You you like it, comment, anyway, whatever. You know what I mean. Um, And if you're listening to this on the podcast, um, then tune in for the next one. Um, I think uh, on Spotify and Apple and all the rest of it, you can say that you like these podcasts and you'd like to hear more of them. Please do that. And please do let me know if you'd like me to podcast or prepare videos on anything else. And I'll catch up with you soon. Take care, look after each other, and uh, catch up with you soon. Bye-bye for now.